Hello, and welcome to another edition of Giant Cocktails. I am one of your co-hosts, Ben Henry, along with my fellow co-host and brother, Matthew Henry. This is the podcast where two lifelong Giants fans talk about their favorite baseball team while enjoying homemade cocktails. Today is Sunday, April 25th. The Giants went 5-2 and two this week to bring their record to... Something really good. 14 and 8. That's what I said. 14 and 8. This is smooth jazz, Ben Henry. Oh, I see. I see. I'm like, what the heck is this? <laughs> Would you like and that? Is that good? You're, you're channeling, I yeah, but I see you're, you know, that's not the only jazz that I think we're going to talk yeah, about Yeah, no, today, it's, all, it's so. all about jazz this week. It's all about jazz this week. This was my smooth jazz intro. That was my smooth jazz DJ. I, I. After, after you just heard your 17th elevator song in a row. I'm speechless. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that was certainly an interesting opening. Was so, that good? Was that good? It, it was interesting. Yeah, well, because last week I was, I was, I didn't, you know, you gave me a B plus, and that was clearly just that was. I was being kind. That yeah. was, yeah. It was, it was not good. It was the energy wasn't there. It, you know, I, I definitely, it, you know, it, it, I was that kid who expects to get the good grade just because he always gets the good grade, and, and he got all the facts right, and it just, it just sucked. It was just not good. It was, you know, and so I wanted to, I wanted to amp it up. I, but I also wanted to bring it down, you know. I wanted it to be smooth and interesting, you know. I wanted it to be arty. I wanted to prove. I wanted to be that seventeen-year-old kid just writing just great poetry, you know. Um, well, you know that thinks he's writing. Great I was going to say there's you know, great poetry uh, written by seventeen-year-olds. So uh, one or that? two of them, I think, have done it. Yeah, I think I've done it. You know, I, I think there's that, probably uh, a few. Yes. But, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, who was it that wrote the Outsiders? I know the Outsiders is not a poem; it's a novel. I think she was like 17 when she wrote that book. Oh, right. Yeah. I don't if know. Anyway, the point is, it happens, you know. But anyway, I was not channeling that. I, no. was, I was channeling the other one. <laughs> well, well, speaking of the other one, mm-hmm. I think, I think uh, as I see you take a sip, what are you drinking today, Ben? Oh, this old thing? <laughs> oh, this is, this is just, uh, this is nothing. Uh, this is actually, I, I, okay. You know, it wasn't my intent when we started this show to like invent a new cocktail every week. That was not what I wanted to, was planning on doing. I was like, you know, we'll throw some classics in there. We'll do, you know, we'll just, but I don't know. I felt inspired every time, uh, the, you know, I think about what I'm going to be drinking. And so I have another homemade concoction, but this one has a significant influence uh, and uh, yes, because this is the jazz episode. And this cocktail is called, well, you know, okay, so here's the deal. Let's let's back up a little bit because one of the things that I like to do as a baseball fan is I like to watch, uh, the, pay attention to the teams who the Giants are about to play, right, who are, who are coming next just to get a sense of how they're doing. Now, I don't watch their games per se, but I look at how they're doing in the stats. I watch their highlights. You know, I, I pay attention to what they've been doing recently so I can get a good sense of, of what the Giants are up against, you know, uh, particularly how that team has been performing over the, you know, six or seven days the week before they, they face the Giants. And and that means, as a happenstance, that I have seen and been paying attention to a lot of Miami Marlins baseball games recently, right? Because they have just concluded their entire season series with the Giants as of today as we record this podcast. But that means they played seven games against the Giants, which means all told, I had been paying attention to the, the Marlins for better than two weeks and 16 of their baseball games. And there is one guy on that team that I wish in my heart of hearts was a San Francisco Giant. This guy, I, I love the way he plays the game. I love his name. I love his hair. I love everything that he does. And I thought to myself, even before this week started, was like, I'm going to make a cocktail based on jazz chisel. That is what I'm going to do. It's going to be all about jazz. I'm going to make a jazz cocktail. And I realized, okay, it's got to be blue, right? 
and it's got to be um, yeah. And that was it. I was just gonna I'm gonna make a blue cocktail. Now, why does it have to be blue, Ben? Oh, why does it have to be blue? Right. Well, because jazz at the when they were in Miami, jazz had this amazing and before then, because I again I had seen him play in a few other games, had this amazingly bright blue hair. Okay, so first of all, the guy's name is Jazz. Second of all, he has this great blue shock of blue hair, right? And and um, and then also he's a pretty fantastic baseball player, and he's also pretty exciting. And you know, he's he's he he shows his emotions on the field, which which I really like. And he does it in a fun and an exciting way. He, he's not like a jut your chin out kind of guy like Bryce Harper or a puffed your chest out guy like Manny Machado. I do not like that kind of showing your emotion. I'm more of a Fernando Tatis kind of guy, you know, like when it comes to showing your emotion on the field. Like flashy, but not machismo, you know? And jazz is like that. Jazz is flashy. He does fuzz, fun things. And uh, so anyway, that's why, you know, that's why it was going to be blue. So I, I did that. I, I had this whole idea of what I was going to do for a blue cocktail. And traditionally, there's only really two ways to, to legitimately make your cocktail blue, um, other than putting in food coloring, which I think actually might be the best way to do it, honestly. <laughs> make a good tasting cocktail and then just use some food coloring to turn it blue because the quote-unquote legitimate alternatives are, are using a liqueur that's already blue. Uh, and traditionally, that has been blue curacao, but I just don't do blue curacao. I just don't. Uh, it, it just ends up, like, in my experience, blue curacao is just really, really bad liqueur uh, than made blue uh, with, you know, a food coloring that makes it taste even worse. Um, but then that leaves us not many other alternatives out there. Well, it turns out there is this liqueur that was, I believe, invented in New York, but they brew it in France to give it more street cred. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, it's called hypnotic. And... I'm holding up a bottle for you now that you can see. And you can see by the spelling, there's no I between the H and the P there. Yeah. It's, and then it's, and it, you know, it's spelled H-P-N-O-T-I-Q. This is what a lot of people are making, using to make their cocktails blue. So this is what I used to make my cocktail. And so my cocktail, the jazz, well, it was originally going to be called the jazz chisholm. And it was going to be just this cocktail, which is an ounce of hypnotic an ounce of vodka, half an ounce of Cointreau. And then you put that all over ice and then you top it off with a lemon lime soda. Because it's jazz, I feel like I have to go with a specific brand here. So I'm gonna say it's Sprite, has to be Sprite. Um, just because that, that I think that matches jazz's vibe, that brand. <laughs> so so that's that was my original cocktail. But then he shows up in San Francisco and he's done a couple of things differently. And I felt like I needed to capture those in my cocktail as well, which is, first of all, the blue hair has now been braided into these tight, tiny braids, which are very cool. But now they've also been dyed like half red. So they were like, had these red tips on them. So now I got to add that to my cocktail. And then more importantly, he played, I think he played all four games this way. I don't know what he wore today. Did, I don't remember. What did he wear? Did he, did he wear? He was hoodie? rocking the hoodie again. Yes. <laughs> he plays all four games in San Francisco in a full blown pullover hoodie with the hood popping out of the back. I don't think I've ever seen that on any player ever anywhere. And he's got that maybe, maybe some games early in Minnesota or in Chicago, like in early April. I've seen guys do that. But he's got the full-blown hoodie going with, you know, which is a garment that you're supposed to wear over everything else, right? This is the finishing touch. You know, you, you put that on to keep yourself warm. No, he's got that under his jersey and buttoned up. And the guy just looks like a full-on dork. I mean, it's just not a cool look. And I know for a bunch of the games, he was even wearing like a, a, a gator or maybe like a, like a balaclava or whatever you call those things where, you know, just the guy was just like acting like he was in the coldest environment he's ever been in. And granted, it's it's April in San Francisco, so it might be because, you know, he grew up in the Bahamas and he plays baseball in Miami. So so, yeah, maybe San Francisco is the coldest place he's ever been. So wasn't it Mark Twain who said that the coldest winter he ever spent was a summer in San Francisco? Was a summer in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. Nice pull, Matthew. Wow. Well done. Well done. Yes, it was Mark Twain. Hey, man, we can edit whatever we want. OK, this is, I want you to know there was some magical editing that just happened. <laughs> 
Of course, Matthew's the editor, so we'll see if even this makes it into the final cut. We'll see. But yes. It... <laughs> but yes, it was Mark Twain that said that. Uh, but yeah, so so yes, I mean, jazz is not wrong. It, it, it was cold. And I mean, it was raining today. It wasn't it was it was not a good weekend to be in San Francisco. But I just it was so ridiculous because he was the only player out there like that. And of course, Alex Dickerson from the Giants is rocking the short sleeves, nothing under there. I felt today it was like a, he was like it was a flex. Or even last night, it was a flex. You know, he's just like, I'm. I'm gonna wear these short sleeves while you're in your hoodie, uh, just to just to be like, yeah, mm-hmm. home field advantage, baby, <laughs> home field advantage. But I just, so I I I didn't know what else to do. Okay, so I mean, I didn't know what to do because I had this, this very tropical. So this hypnotic drink, this hypnotic liqueur, is a like a fruity. It has like passion fruit notes in it and mango. It's supposed to be like a fruity tropical drink, which I think goes with the whole Miami, Bahima, Bahamas, Bohemian vibe, you know. And I thought, cool, that that works well. And but then he does that sweatshirt thing in San Francisco, and I was like, oh my gosh, how do I wrap this all in something warm? And honestly, Matthew, I cheated. I didn't know what else to do. So I've created the jazz in San Francisco, which is actually two different alcoholic beverages. It is a, it is a, it is the jazz chisholm, which is the recipe that I just gave to you. And then you chase that with a snifter of brandy. And the brandy is the hoodie. It's the warm hoodie that you wrap around. And do they go together? No. No. Uh, Is this a complimentary pairing? No. It's as ridiculous as wearing that sweatshirt. Um, and so yeah, that's my cocktail of the week. And and I would love to talk about jazz some more because he's he's definitely on my list of players I wish were San Francisco Giants. Uh, he's he's my starting second baseman on that roster. Um, and and what an exciting player. Uh, but that is that is my cocktail. Uh, one thing I do want to point out, and I don't know if Matthew will leave this with his cold-hearted and vicious editing, but if you do see a photograph of this cocktail, it might be quite bright blue. That is not how this cocktail turns out, uh, unless you're going to add some 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 blue curacao to it. It just takes a couple of drops uh, to to pop the blue, and I just felt like that was the appropriate thing to do in honor of jazz. So I did add a couple of drops of blue curacao to just oomph up the blueness of the drink until I felt it was the appropriate color. Um, but that was really just for show. But you know, cocktails are about all the senses, Matthew, and. I felt like, you know, I, I, honestly, I don't like this cocktail. <laughs> I don't like hypnotic. <laughs> it, it is not, in my humble opinion, it is not good. But nonetheless, it's what I created and it's what I'm drinking now. And oh. uh, I did the best I could. And I, you know, I went more for showiness than I went for the actual flavors. And it and it, and it packs a punch, right? It, it still brings still gets the job done so i think in all of those ways it, it honors its namesake um well enough and so this is the jazz chisholm and the jazz in san francisco matthew what are you drinking this week how could you possibly top that i don't i don't think there could be anything better than that i don't i don't know how i could top that i mean um, you'd have to come up with some sort of like national headline or some some something that people all across the and you're not gonna you can't possibly no of course not unless unless you were watching the game the other night and you happened to see alex the therapy bunny who was prominently displayed throughout the telecast <laughs> oh, no. and then was on twitter and instagram he's got his own instagram page alex the therapy bunny by the way uh because of course he does and uh so you know watching that i was you know at the end of the week i'm thinking well okay gregory santos made his debut you know, maybe uh, maybe something around Logan Webb and his, you know, amazing mm-hmm. start today. Maybe we need to, you know, celebrate that. But no, 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 we're, no, we're going not. with Alex, the therapy bunny. So so what I did was, uh, you know, find something that was, you know, because when you think of, of, of rabbits, you think of the spring a little bit light, but fun. And so so I took a recipe of. Uh, yeah, that's kind of it takes after uh, Brandy Alexander, 
Okay. Know, Brandy Alexander is what brandy and chocolate liqueur and cream is uh, uh, is what uh, you know. Brandy like Alexander a very has nice and warm, comforting drink. Yeah, yeah. And so I thought, well, you know, if I want to make, you know, and I'm looking at Alex the therapy bunny, and he's kind of this tan, kind of multicolored, mm-hmm. you know, kind of look. And so, so I decided to try and create something with that. So I, uh, so I created a drink that's got uh, an ounce of gin. It's got half an ounce of amaretto half an ounce of chocolate liqueur, some heavy cream. Uh, I used lemon curd for my sweetener and uh, kind of the lemon acid. And and then a little bit of vanilla paste, which I actually didn't have vanilla paste. I used just a, a quarter of a bean, a vanilla bean uh, that I, I actually make my own vanilla um, extract with Wait vodka and okay. vanilla beans. So <laughs> did you like slice open the bean? I did, and I scraped it out. it out. Yes, I did. That's what I did. And so I shook all that together over ice and put it in a coupe glass, and it's actually very nice. And oh, and then and then I garnished it with just a little bit, a pinch of freshly grated. Um, Nutmeg. nutmeg, yeah, because uh, nutmeg not only I thought was a nice flavor for this, but it also looks a lot like the rabbit. Yeah, and so that's what I went with, and I'm actually pretty pleased with this. I got to tell you, it is a little bit of a frou frou kind of sweet drink. But... I mean, it's named after, it's built after a bunny, Matthew. Yeah, built after a therapy I'm, bunny. I'm owning it. I think I think people would enjoy this. I mean, I think the merits. Of, I mean, I don't know Alex. I don't think anybody's gotten to know Alex. I, I, I think the country... Alex gets around. He does. He does. I did see that. I did see that he, 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 is he a does get traveler. around. Yeah. And I heard that the Warriors have asked him to attend as soon as fans are allowed back there, uh, which is going to be very, very soon. So he's in demand. I, I know that the Marlins broadcast team sent him swag uh, through <laughs> the Marlins PR person, you know. Yeah. So how like, could you? How could you just go by this week without acknowledging Alex the therapist? Yeah, you couldn't. You couldn't. No, you couldn't. Especially no. when you're in the habit of making cocktails. I do. That sounds very like comforting and and warm and cozy cocktail, which I think is exactly what Alex does. I mean, like I said, I don't know his personality, but he looked very chill and he looked very large. He looked very like I would love to just hang on to this guy and snuggle with him so exactly. I could feel better. And exactly. that definitely, you know, the only thing that would do that better for me is is alcohol. So, you know, <laughs> because nothing makes my therapy, you know, nothing makes me feel better. <laughs> but a nice and warm a, drink. A little chemical detachment. <laughs> well, you know, this this is probably a healthier, you know, Alex the, the therapy bunny uh, snuggles mm-hmm. are probably a little healthier than a couple of shots of alcohol, but you know who's to who's to judge? So why not have both? Is what I would have, say, and that's what that's what I'm saying. So <laughs> here's to Alex the therapy bunny. May yeah. he lo- live long and prosper, and may long may this drink. You know, yeah, last that me sounds a like a time. that sounds like a chocolatey concoction, a chocolatey creamy concoction. Yeah. All right. Well. Okay. Well, I consider myself topped. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to top that. I, I thought I did it with the jazz chisholm. Um, you know, I, I thought I, I, I was gonna, you know, I thought, oh, this is it. I'm just, this is, I'm this, this cocktail of the week. I know it's only two, two cocktails in the running, but I felt like I had a good chance of winning, but I don't know. I don't know. Well, well all right. Well, thank you. And I, but I must say, I, I do agree with you on jazz being a, you know, good for the game. I think, uh, you know, it was oh, interesting. Man. You've also mentioned Fernando Tatis Jr. This weekend, he took Trevor Bauer uh, yard and yeah. had a very fun trip around the bases, uh, mocking Bauer by putting one of his hands over his eyes because I think Bauer had pitched to them in the spring training with one eye closed, closed. and which yeah. I don't understand. Maybe uh, I don't know what that was about. And then you know he's, he's skipping around third base and. And to Bauer's credit, after the game, they asked him about it, and he said, "You know what? Baseball needs more players like that." And and I agree. I think you know we are in the day and age where we can't be the staid kind of you know mellow sport. We need to have personality. And guys like Jazz Chisholm and uh, Fernando Tatis, who are both juniors, now that I think about it, uh, are you know doing well with that. I think we need more of that. So I I welcome it. And uh, you know, and oh, if yeah. someone happens to get plunked because of it and it, you know, okay, you know, but I think it's fun, and I'm I'm enjoying seeing them play. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they should get plunked for that sort of stuff. I think you should just show them right back. 
I mean, like the way you answer back to that, and I and I know old school players used to say, well, the way you answer that back is by hitting a home run, and and for goodness sakes, my favorite baseball player of all time is Matt Williams, and there was no guy that was more pure at playing the game than that guy, right? I mean. Sarge, when he hit a home run, he hit it over the wall. He put his head down and he sprinted around the bases. And he like he was never going to show anybody up. And whenever he made a fantastic play at third, it was like, no big deal. I'm just doing my job. I'm just here doing the work. And the thing is, like, I get it. I appreciate that. And But I really do think that came out of just a... You know, I don't think baseball was always like that. I don't, like, I don't think that's probably how Ty Cobb played the game. You know, I'm guessing that Ty Cobb was kind of like, you know, he was letting everybody know how good he was, right? And I think something happened not just within the game, but I think within our country that changed the way the game was played. And I think there became this thing of like, you don't rub other people's misfortune in their face, right? You know, and maybe that came out of the depression. I don't know. Maybe I'm just, maybe maybe it's the jazz chisholm cocktail speaking in San Francisco, speaking... <clears throat> But but I just I you know I, I feel like somewhere along the way the game just became too staid you know it just became too you know this is a form of entertainment and you all are entertainers and I think that there are moments where you can embellish the moment in a way that makes it more entertaining like so let's take jazz for example so jazz did a lot of amazing things in the seven game series and if you and and i've watched him play in a whole lot more games and this guy is a fun and exciting player i mean mostly because of his talent right it, it he he hits the ball hard and with authority he like leads he's like in the top five in barrels which means he's hitting the ball as well or better than almost everybody in the league and the people that he's ranking up there are people like mike trout you know, so, I mean, he is one of the best guys at getting wood on the ball right now. And then once he starts running, he is one of the five fastest players in baseball. So the guy hits the ball hard. He runs around the bases. He's just a dynamic and exciting player to watch on the field just because of how well he plays the game. But then on top of that, he's got this great showmanship, this sense of the moment and... And, you know, I think a perfect example of that was his liner back to Wood. You know, I think that was, what was that? That was on Saturday. Saturday, yeah. Saturday, he hit this liner that I more caught Alex Wood than Alex Wood caught it. Now, I don't want to belittle what Alex Wood did there because he did react. He did have to move his hand to catch that ball. It didn't go straight in his glove, I think, where a lot of people made that out to be. He did move his hand slightly to get that ball. But, but for the most part, yeah. I mean, it, that was a matter of luck, more luck than it was skill. It was a combination of both. And then the way that Jazz Chisholm reacted to that was very just like it, it amplified the moment. It was a surprising moment. And that's what's great about baseball. Baseball is a repetitive, predictable game full of unpredictable moments. And that's what makes it great. That's what makes it exciting. Is it's like any given time, you know that the pitcher is most probably going to get the batter out. And that's what makes a single exciting. And that's what makes a bunch of hits in a row exciting. That's what makes a home run exciting. That's what makes stealing a home run even more exciting than that. These are unexpected moments happening in a otherwise predictable game. And here was a very, very unexpected moment. And... And Jazz Chisholm amplified it by the way he behaved in that moment. And I think, and to Alex Wood's credit, you know, he smiled right back at it, right? Because that was Chisholm's reaction was like, you know, I'm just looking at you like, really? Did that really happen? Did you really just do that to me? Like, I hit that ball real hard and you just, really? That happened? That's not fair. And then he yeah. kind of smiles his way off and Alex Wood is just smiling back at him like, yeah, yeah no, I did it. Was, I did it. Yeah, that happened. And, uh, and I'll take it. And, and it was that made the moment better. That yeah, made did. the moment more moment more entertaining, right? And and I I agree. We need more moments like that. And I get it that there are, there are moments that feel like you're rubbing somebody else's face in it. And to that I would say, yeah, okay, yeah. Some of these guys go over the top. Some of it's too much. But also I would say, grow up. You get paid millions of dollars to play a game. Right? If you don't like it, do it back to them when you do something good. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, let's have more of that and less baseballs in the ear. Uh, you know, and, and I know that's not everybody's cup of tea, but I think to me, it just makes the game more exciting. It makes the game more fun. And, um, and like I said, there are certain, some of these guys do it in a way that I don't like. Like, I don't like the way Manny Machado does it. I don't like the way that sometimes Bryce Harper does it, the whole chin jutting thing. Uh, but you know, just, I mean, to go more on Harper on this, uh, there was a home run that he hit against the Giants in a game where they were losing. And you could tell that, you know, Harper charged around the bases really hard and he was really excited. And he went into the dugout and he was just giving everybody high fives and he was trying to amp his team up. So there is that element to it of it too, right? Like if you capitalize on those moments and you focus on them, what you're trying to do is carry that momentum onto your team. So I think it also helps make your team better. So I do think there is a, you know, a, a sports psychology element to it as well, right? It, it, it diminishes your opponent and it, and it helps you do better. Now, I don't think that's what happened to Jazz. I mean, Jazz was just like, that was funny. That was unique. Yeah. And I'm going to embellish it. And I love that moment. I thought it was a great moment. And, uh, and, and, and it's just one of the things that I really love about that guy. I think he's a really exciting player. And uh, you know what? I'll probably, I'll probably, because of the, what I've learned and seen about him over the last couple of weeks, I'll probably tune in to a couple more Marlins games this year just to watch him play. All right. Well, we are almost half an hour into our podcast. Haven't Uh-oh. really mentioned the Giants yet. Uh Keeping with that theme, a former giant today, uh, Madison Bumgardner, <laughs> pitched a kind of no-hitter. Like, a no-hitter, but not really. <laughs> so, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not a no-hitter. Not an official no-hitter. No, he gets a, but he gets a shutout. So he gets it's a credit. complete game shutout, but it's not a no-hitter, even though he gave up no hits. Exactly. Uh, so, Thank you, baseball labor disputes. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so our seven-inning games that were uh, supposed to help make you know doubleheaders more feasible, which I get. I think that that's you know with COVID that's going to happen, and and nobody wants to see you know uh, Pablo Sandoval pitching on the mound. Well, maybe we do, but anyway, nobody wants to see uh, you know long. Nobody games. wants to see no hitters that aren't. Yeah, well, and that too. So uh, today was an interesting day. I mean, Madison Bumgarner, who's been struggling to open up the season, uh, hadn't pitched well in any of his previous starts, and today he goes out, and the only base runner he allowed was on an error. Uh, so through seven innings, and uh, so you know, it's kind of fun to see Mad Bum, you know, do some uh, harken back to the days and and see some dominant Madison again. But uh, just thought I'd throw that out there. You know, I thought it was interesting and, and poor. I feel bad for the guy because, you know, he doesn't get credit for a no-hitter, but it was a pretty dominating pitching performance. Well, he didn't pitch the last two innings, so you know, you never know what would have happened right. in the last two innings. Right. So, you know, so, I mean, it's it's just unfortunate he didn't get the chance. I, I think that's that's the biggest bummer about these seven-inning games. And, and I think that's one of the reasons that we, we have to get away from them. These have to go away. Uh, we have to in, get, a, get away from them. And, and I, you know, maybe it's related to the pandemic, Maybe it's not, but but I feel like it's more not than it is because they kept those same rules because that's what they agreed to with the players, and then the players didn't want to negotiate a new deal. And so they said, we're going to play 162 games this year because we can and we will, and otherwise everything else is going to stay unchanged. And, and they couldn't come to any other agreement, and so they just went with these same rules, and that's why we're doing these rules. It's not like anybody said, oh, for 2021 we're going to do these things because it makes sense and it's good for the game and it's good for people's health. No, that's not what happened. Except for the DH, they 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 got rid of that one. So that yeah. was, I think you know they were picking and choosing the ones that they wanted to you know, do. Anyway, anyway, I think that's enough well, they talking got their about twenty sixth player. So that's true. Well, and so well, speaking of of one of the other rule changes this year was that uh, the rule that they've changed is that uh, generally you're only allowed to keep thirteen pitchers on your twenty six man roster. The Giants this week had fourteen at one point. And uh, one of the they brought up Gregory Santos, twenty-one-year-old uh, Gregory Santos, to make his major league debut. Right-hander throws real hard. Uh, needed some more right-handed relief uh, depth for sure. And uh, you know, right off the back uh, back of bringing up, uh, uh, see, I forgot his name again. Um, Camilo Duval. Camilo, yes. What uh, is it with him? I don't know. I have a I have it's a block Camilo on Camilo's. Time. It is Camilo time. I I apologize, Camilo. I uh, anyway. This is the Camilo era. This is the, you, you've got to get used to it. I am. I'm not going to forget his name ever again, Camilo Duval. Anyway, 
But having said that, so we bring up Gregory Santos. He has a great, great opening, uh, well, debut, right? He strikes out two uh, in his one inning of work, uh, just much like Camilo did in his uh, debut. Uh, but then he comes back in his second appearance and doesn't record an out. And, and I think that that's kind of like if there's ever a, a, a high and low in one, you know, in, in one swift uh, week, uh, Gregory Santos definitely experienced it. Uh, but, you know, what do you expect from a guy who's, you know, 21 years old, never pitched above a ball, uh, certainly has the ability to pitch at this level. But, uh, you know, I think he learned real quick that a 98 mile per hour fastball down the middle is going to get met, uh, you know, with uh, guys up at this level can hit that all day. Uh, and I and I bring that up just because our bullpen in general, uh, it seems like Kapler is searching for uh, his uh, guys that he can rely on. And case in point, you know, I think it was on Friday night's game. They were up, they were up by four runs, and going into the eighth. And you would think four run lead going into the eighth. The, Rogers and McGee. Haven't uh, you know are are usually our eighth and ninth guys, uh, but you have an opportunity to rest them. We don't have an off day for another like I don't know seven or eight games. I mean we we don't have an off day for a while, and and Rogers and McGee are like one and two in the league in appearances. So they've been they've been pitching a lot, and and I I I actually worry that Tyler Rogers' arm is going to fall off around the All Star break. So in that game. Uh, with an opportunity to bring in somebody else, he doesn't. He brings in Rogers in the eighth and McGee in the ninth. And uh, McGee, I think, is that the game that McGee gave up the two-run homer after Wilmer Flores' uh, uh, error? But yes. but it worked. Yeah, he but didn't it worked. get the save because he wasn't a save situation. But yes, he yes. he gave up the two-run home run, and they still ended up winning. And they still, you know, so he got the job done. And I think you know, Kapler was asked after the game that exact question of why are you throwing them when you've got a four-run lead? And you don't have, uh, you know, any off days coming up. Once you want to save them for, you know, closer games. And his answer was more or less, uh, well, we want to win the game we're playing today. And which I understand, but I also know that it basically says I don't trust anybody else to get four outs or, or get six outs with a four run lead. And that is problematic in my mind. Yeah, I, I I don't know where they go from here because you can't keep doing this. At some point, he's got to you know have faith in other guys on this thing or find you know they're gonna have to go out and make some changes because you just can't keep relying on Rogers and McGee game in and game out. I completely and totally agree. Uh, you know, so first of all about Gregory Santos. Uh, you know, I, I, he's 21 years old and he hasn't pitched above a ball. I think the two performances that we saw out of him are exactly what you would expect for somebody with that kind of um, track record, right? You know, he's young, he's inexperienced, he does throw the ball really well, but, you know, he's going to have some great moments and he's going to have, well, hopefully he has some great moments. Um, and, uh, but, but I think we can expect him to have some really rough ones too. And, it is interesting to me that he made two appearances uh, in the interim and we haven't. Now, granted, he's a right-hander. But, you know, one of the questions I have, and I think this goes to your point, is has anybody seen or know what has happened to Jose Alvarez? Because I am worried about the man I think he might be missing. Witness protection. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, he's allegedly... A member of the Giants bullpen. He last appeared in a game on April 21st. Uh, he appeared in back-to-back -back games, but he is the man that we have seen the least, and we have not seen much of him at all. And I agree with you. So it, it, the, the, what seems to be the case is, is that obviously Gabe Kapler believes that Jake McGee and Tyler Rogers are his best two pitchers. His, in the in the bullpen without a doubt and I saw the that question that that you're referring to after the the win on on Friday which was basically somebody asked him you know they asked him yeah like you know why did you bring Rogers and McGee into that game when you had a four-run lead 
and and now yeah, Kapler said something of like we trust all of our guys to get outs, but we were really going for the win there, which to me sounded like him saying we trust all of our guys to get key outs, but we don't trust all of them as much as we trust you know we don't trust them all the same, and we really really didn't believe that we were going to win that game if we let somebody other than Rodgers and McGee close that game out. And that is a huge problem. Their appearances are, are, you know, I think they're number one and two in the league, or maybe even all of baseball in appearances. I think Tyler Rogers, and Tyler Rogers is now like extending that lead over the last couple of days. He closed out today's game and not cleanly. You know, it, it is a I think it's a huge concern, and I agree with you. I think at the end of the day, you have to play your whole bullpen. And yeah, Gabe Kapler, I agree. That sounds really scary. It does sound really scary to let that whole bullpen play. But I don't know what you're hoping for. I don't know what you're trying to control. Like, I don't know where, you know, all you're going to do is end up with Rodgers and McGee either having diminished performances or getting hurt. And then where are you going to be? Those guys are going to be unavailable for extended periods of time, and you're not going to have anything else. You know, you've got to find a way to get those guys breaks. You've got to find a way to to uh, let somebody else throw those innings. And, I mean, Matthew, I, I think the end of the, 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 I think the long and short of it is, is that Gabe Kapler believes in his heart that that means they're going to lose more games if they do that. And I don't know that he's wrong. <laughs> well, so, but at the same time, like guys like Jose Alvarez, why have him on the roster if you're not going to pitch him and you don't have confidence in him? Why not go get somebody else that you can at least try? Right? Uh, you know, I mean, it, it just, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm just as confused by it uh, as you are, and it. I think everybody's confused by it. It just seems like you keep keeps going back to the well, and you're just like, I, it's gonna run dry, right? Yeah, I I'm not confused by it because I I don't I don't know if you know remember this, but I actually have managerial experience. <laughs> <laughs> I managed two years of the Mark West Little League Majors Reds team. Okay, and. And I will say that I, too, fell in love with the same relievers over and over again because I knew that they could get people out. And <laughs> and so I I understand where, uh, you know, where Kapler is coming from. However, the difference between me and Kapler, other than the fact that he probably doesn't have parents calling him complaining about their kids, their player, their mm-hmm. kids playing time. Uh, is that Kapler has major league pitchers available to him that with proven track records on getting people out. And and so I, I on the other hand, had little Timmy who, you know, couldn't throw the ball, you know, the, the requisite 50 feet to the, you know, to the catcher. So, you know, I, I feel like he's just at some point has to trust uh, his bullpen otherwise you're right there you know Rodgers and McGee are going to get injured and then we're going to be even more uh in a pickle than we already are so right I mean it seems like he clearly trusts McGee and Rodgers and then after that it's a distant second and third sorry distant third and fourth to Peralta and I guess Whistler, Whistler yeah is is and Whistler Whistler I mean didn't have a great result today I mean but uh, but he had been really good. He was he was one of the guys that I apparently set a really bad tone for for Kapler on opening day. Yeah, right? he well, he struggled. Yeah, he struggled to open up a season. But yeah, he yeah. settled in. But he's settled uh, in, and he's yeah. he's he's getting a lot better. Um, but I don't think he's quite out of the doghouse yet, not fully. And no. and then Peralta, he definitely was going to. And then after that, I think it is Santos and Doval. I think those are his top six relievers yeah. right there. And so. Barriger and 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 Alvarez. Uh, Barriger was making a, a number of perform- appearances early. Uh, it seemed like, but but has seemed to have dim- less of those have happened over time. And and maybe some of those shifts with Peralta and Whistler and Barriger and and Alvarez are about you know making sure guys are getting rested and not whatnot. But he's not. He's obviously not doing that for Rogers and McGee. Yeah. And and so it's definitely it's definitely a concern. 
I, I will say this though, you know, when you were talking about your managerial experience, I thought what you were going to say is, uh, unlike you, Gabe Kapler has uh, can be fired uh, because there are other people who would willingly take the job. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, um, that, I, I wasn't going to say that the only reason I was the manager was because nobody else wanted Right, it. right. Because like, I was like, you know, like, you know, and I know it's funny, though, because you've always got these parents who complain in that situation, but but none of them want to come down there and do it. Um, no. We could do a whole episode yeah. on Little League managing. Right, but, uh... right. Well, but, but consider me Jose Alvarez's dad, angry dad, you know, like, when is my kid going to play? When is he going to in the game? I know he's not as good as the other guys, but everybody's got to play equally. That's what it says in the rules. That's how it's supposed to be, you know? <laughs> so you get that kid out there that's way better than my kid, and you get my you get my lousy child out there, and you get him throwing pitches because, you know, everybody deserves their middle place award. Well, so, yeah. But, yeah. but at the same time, uh, also because those kids are going to get hurt. Right. <laughs> so we need to spread the love around a little bit more. Yes, Little League's onto something when they have pitch limits. Maybe we need to put pitch limits uh, yeah. on Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's on really Rogers, the concern so. here, right? Like, it's, yeah. it, you know, at the end of the day, who cares about their feelings and emotions, right? They're only, <laughs> they're not real humans, Matthew. They're our <laughs> playthings, these Major League Baseball players. Uh, but no, I mean, the concern is that McGee and Rogers are not going to be able to do this forever. And, you know, eventually the, the well's going to run dry. Yep. Well, and one of, one of the solutions around, you know, not trusting your bullpen is just to have your starters go seven or eight innings. Right. So, uh, you know, Logan Webb today, yeah. uh, did his job. He got through seven, uh, innings with no runs. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought Kurt Casale was going to get his fifth shutout in a row. Uh, I, I was, I actually almost texted it to you, but I didn't want to jinx him. So I, <laughs> I didn't say anything. You thought jinxed him. You still I, got maybe, him anyway, Matt. Maybe it's a good it was. Job there. Yeah, it's, it's you my still fault. got him. Uh, so yeah, but I, I think so. Logan Webb is interesting in that, you know, he's, uh, he's well, well, he was the 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 one that was going to be replaced in the in the starting rotation before Cueto went on the IL mm-hmm. and <clears throat> sounds like Cueto's going to miss one more start. So Webb will get another, another start before maybe Cueto would even consider com- being able to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it'll be, it's, it, yeah, I mean, it's a great problem to have, right? If you've got, yeah. you know, all, you know, pitches, but if Logan Webb can, can throw like he did today, even out of the bullpen, then maybe that helps solidify the the bullpen a little bit as well. It gives Kapler one more arm yeah. that maybe he trusts. I mean, well. And maybe that's what he's doing. Maybe he's moving the deck chairs around right now. Yeah. And, you know, the one thing I will say about Santos and Doval both is they do have options, right? So they can move up and down pretty much freely all year. So, and at least you know that those guys can get guys out maybe not regularly, maybe not all the time, but at least, you know, we, you, they're now tested, right? Yeah. It, it hasn't, it's not a huge sample size, but they've done it and they know they can do it. Well, so one that's of the things, huge for them. Yeah. And one of the things that the Marlins had was they had a right-handed heavy lineup. And so, you know, maybe there's other teams out there. I haven't really looked, but uh, that might be a good fit for bringing up some guys like that. And uh, yeah, right. so we'll see, we'll see how they all get shuffled around. I'm sure there'll be lots of changes. And, and, you know, one thing that we've seen is, you know, usually around 40 games in is kind of when Farhan, Farhan starts looking around and saying, okay, this, you know, we need to make some changes. Although I don't know, is there a lot out there on the trade market for relievers? I think everybody's looking for them, right? I don't, so yeah, I mean, the Padres just brought up a 30, nearly 31 year old rookie making his major league debut yesterday in their great rivalry against the Dodgers when they were down by a run mm-hmm. and he pitched two innings <laughs> so I mean they're they are they have been hammered by injuries in their oh, staff <laughs> so sad they, they they so they've they've had some problems with injuries on their staff and so but but I think the point is yeah and everybody kind of knew that this year was going to be a rough year on pitchers anyway so it is, um, it's a problem everywhere. So I don't know that there's much for them to go out and get. I also don't know that there's much for the Giants to trade. I mean, I guess there is because they have been rebuilding, but they're again going to be in this awkward situation of like, do we, do we, do we bet on this year and try to make our major league roster better, or do we just go with what we have and hold pat, which kind of seems like kissing your sister in some ways. Or do we go with, which is a weird saying. I'm sorry I said that. I, I'm, I, <laughs> listeners, I promise I'll never say that again. 
<laughs> I am never going to kiss my sister again. <laughs> well, you don't have a sister, so. That... Well, that's true. That helps. That definitely yeah. <laughs> helps. But I'm not going to kiss my, uh, you know, my my imaginary sister ever again. I promise that to you. But anyway, the point is, it's just not a. It's like seems like the worst of of all the options. But you know, the other option is, do they just become sellers? You know, every single person in their starting rotation of the six starting pitchers this year is is a free agent at the end of the season except for logan webb there there you go again i'm not letting you finish that thought because (laughs) because we're we're we're, we have the third best record in the majors right now after almost a month of play and you're all like let's just trade them all like you know what f you because that you know we we are overperforming granted maybe we're maybe this is a bubble i don't know and maybe it'll look totally different on july 31st but right now if we're playing this well come july yeah we better be buyers because you know how often does these do these opportunities come you know well, yeah, you have this long-term plan but you also you have an opportunity to win now win now well <laughs> yeah you know i'm a realist you don't you know you keep your head in the clouds keep living over there in fantasy land uh but my point is is that like yes if they're doing well then they have to go make a move but i don't you know and i guess they've been building up a stockpile of, of good players so they probably could make a move so the biggest consideration is you know uh, who are they going to give up? But it's going to be tough for them to do that, right? Because I do think they see themselves in a rebuilding mode. So it's going to be difficult to for them to figure out who they want to move. Um, but yes, if this team is going to get better, it has to be in the bullpen. And I know the offense hasn't been good, but at least the offense, and, I, and, and it's definitely uh, the injury bug is, it's, it's circling us. Right. I was going to mention that. We we're making fun of the Padres and their injuries. It is circling but, uh... us, and it's <laughs> taking its nips at us, and, and we're getting tight hamstrings and tight quads and tight obliques. obliques and I'm... it's just, it's 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 out there, and it's, it's threatening us, and I can feel it coming, and I'm worried about it. But, nonetheless... We've just, that was the plan. That was that was our depth, was our lineup. So if this team is going to get better, it has to be. And then the starting the starting rotation has proven that it is really good. This is an asset. And yeah, I mean, yes, people could get hurt there too. And yes, there are some liabilities in there because there is a history of injuries. But that was the risk they knew that they were going to take. And that's and we have other people waiting in the wings, right? There's Tyler Beatty. We don't know what's going to happen with him. So there are other possibilities of people that could come in and hopefully lengthen that out. So I think we have starting rotation depth, the bullpen. We need more arms in the bullpen if this team is going to compete. And maybe what, maybe what Kapler is doing is maybe that what Farhan Zaidi is saying is we got to wait this out. We got to get to 40 games. We got to get to a point where we do know how good this team actually is. And then we'll make the commitment to go make this team better. Again, you also need a partner to dance with you. So maybe there's just a lack of people willing to to do that right now. But I I do think there is a little bit of that, right? You got to see how well this team holds together at the injury level and at the uh, the starting rotation. If those two things hold well, I think you're right. But I think, honestly, it needs to be soon. It needs to be soon, soon, soon. Yeah. That being and, said, yes, Cueto coming back, putting Webb in the bullpen, and that's that's probably going to be what happens. And if Webb pitches the way he pitched today, which was the first time that I think he really looked like how he looked in the spring. Right. Uh, the first inning was really bad, but I'm going to chalk that up to a wet baseball or something because it was just weird, right, how how quickly he, he, he righted the ship. But um, he looked really good today. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, think, I mean, this has nothing about nothing, but, man, he was hitting the ball hard, too. <laughs> What a great day for Logan Webb. But anyway, he's going to go to the bullpen. And so maybe that's what they're doing. They're just like, they're just moving deck chairs until Cueto comes back. And then it's more moving deck chairs until, until we know how good this team really is or isn't in the, in the, in the rotation and the lineup. And then maybe at that point you say, okay, we actually have something real here. Now we're going to go make that move to, to improve the bullpen. But boy, you know, I mean, just it just feels like we're walking a tightrope with with that this bullpen and with the injuries. It just, you know, they're playing really, really well. 
and you just you just hope the zigs and the zags all go their way. Um, but so far it has been, and you know I, I think we just got to enjoy it. <laughs> I think right. you know I mean the lineup is I, I wish they were hitting more I really do, but um, but you know they're winning and, yeah. and and it's unexpected because of how well the the rotation is doing, and so that has been very exciting. Yeah, and and I think Logan Webb today. I read that he uh, he's you know his changeup has always been his best pitch, but it seemed like like hitters now have been sitting on that, and mm. so today he threw the sinker a lot to great success and uh, got a lot like a lot of misses on that pitch. Uh, so it sounds like now, which I like, I like that. Okay, he's learning from. It's not a lack of talent. It was just kind of how how people were facing him, and now he's making the adjustments to that the, after they've made the adjustments. And so, you know, I'm hoping that that will continue. That and I like that about our coaching staff. It seems like you know there's that game within a game where they seem to you know help their players uh, make those. adjustments adjustments that they need to make uh but i will say after today that he needs to be the the first pitcher pinch hitter besides you know instead of di sclafani so so (laughs) you know i feel like you know i mean how is he not the guy up there swinging because he hit three balls today that were you know pretty well hit and so uh, you know i thought boy that last hit one when he drove to the fence in center field i got up out of my couch and was like oh it's gone yeah right i I mean it was was... yeah he hit the ball hard today i mean i i mean i didn't i'd never seen that from him before that that i remember i don't think he's ever seen that before because he said that today he finally figured out why hitters like that you know like to hit so much because when you hit it like that it doesn't even feel like you hit it hard yeah it doesn't feel like anything right and he said that he'd never felt that before before yeah (laughs) but he looked great today so anyway we we got away from the injury thing, but I am a little concerned about that. I mean, our pitching staff has actually been remarkably healthy outside of Cueto, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, but but now our lineup, and we've got you know we've got like the oldest lineup in in baseball, yeah. and uh, that is starting to show itself. And Longoria was on the on deck circle today, so it looks like you know he's not you know injured enough to where he'll miss a whole lot of time. Looks like you know he might be back in. Crawford has missed some time. Which complicates things because we only have Dubone uh, to back him up at shortstop. And now that we've got some outfielders that are injured, Yaz left the game today. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes on the IL um, by the time this uh, podcast is, is published. Uh, if that's the case, then you've got to figure out, okay, we'll do Bone or Slater. You know, Slater slides over, but now you can't have Dickerson and Ruff as our corner outfielders like we did for a little it's bit. It's going to be rough in Dickerson out there. It's t- so rough in Dickerson. Uh, it's and and nobody wants that, right? And so uh, you know, it'll be interesting. I mean, we've got I kind of want that. <laughs> I mean, well, if they hit, I don't I care. I don't care if balls are flying past them if they're hitting, you know, but agreed. And, and and actually, Ruff has done a pretty good job so far this year uh, off the bench. Uh, Dickerson's been you know hit or miss, but I think I, I I just I'm it's good. It's so weird to see like okay now we've got Flores was out today, um, but I don't think he's. I think that was more of a he must not have been feeling well or something like that. But it's not an injury. Uh, yeah, they said he had to get an IV. Yeah, which, which is, yeah, which indicates like yeah, it's some sort of illness. Maybe it's vaccine related. Maybe, maybe it's, yeah, maybe yeah. It's, just dehydration uh, and yeah so i but i did hear you know kapler mentioned that an il move was probably coming but he wasn't he didn't say for whom so mm-hmm. i think okay well now we've got a couple guys that could be brought up i guess if it's crawford then you've got tyro estrada the guy they just recently signed from or traded for from the yankees um or if it's yaz then they probably mm-hmm. duggar gets brought back uh or lamont way jr if he's ready to come off the il uh so You've got some moving pieces there, but it's none of them are as good as Yaz, right? Or or even Crawford. So, I mean, the one thing I will say is this: this, I mean, every team deals with injuries every year. That goes without saying. I I, like I said, the Padres have been dealing with it. The the Dodgers have been dealing with it. The Dodgers have fantastic depth, though. Uh, The Padres went and got a lot of starting pitching this offseason, and that's where they've been feeling a lot of their injuries, and so. They have been trying to weather the the storm there, but it's been difficult. Um, their pitching staff has been cracked. It, it's really good. It's yeah. like the best ERA in baseball. But but yeah, the injury bug keeps biting them. So it does show you how deep the Padres are, but it's hitting them right. So it's not just the Giants. So I I don't think we need to feel like it's it's only us. So that's I mean I, that's that's 
I mean, that's that's bitter medicine. I don't know, but but the the, the point is, is that it's happening to everybody. And I, I, guess, I do, yeah. Well, I just I guess the the silver lining is that they're you know these are muscle injuries that you know should be quickly to heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they're not ligaments or you know things like that. So you know maybe we we you know they get a little rest and maybe that helps their old the old bones and you know they come back refreshed and play well. I don't know, but uh, you know it'll be. Uh, um, something that we're going to have to kind of suffer through, I think. Over yeah, I mean, muscle injuries tend to be chronic, though. I don't know. They, they, you hope that they, they get they don't come back too early, right? Yeah. Well, but it is also important. The one thing that I will say about this is that that you know I, I certainly I don't think I've heard this from anybody, and I, I and I do think that this this staff is doing a really good job of this. And I don't know if this is Gabe Kapler or what, but if it is, good on him because this is a staff that is paying very close attention to this. They worry about it, and when a player says, "I'm tight." They listen and they deal with it because the fact of the matter is you uh, need to take those guys out and they need to not be in the game because if they swing one more swing, that injury that is a minor injury that could have taken a couple of days to get better could go to a catastrophic injury that requires surgery or months of rehab. And it is, you know, there, there should be none of this consideration of like, oh, they just need to tough it out and get in there, right? Uh, you know, yeah. I... Uh, that way of thinking was always bad, but now we know it's bad. And it, you know, so it, it is important that these guys, that, they, that they're careful with them. So I appreciate that they are being careful with them. Um, so I, you know, like I, I get upset only because I'm worried about the long-term ramifications of a significant injury more so than anything else. Um, so I am, I'm definitely glad that they're like, you know, with Belt, they took it easy on Belt after he hurt his leg. He probably could have played the next day and the next, you know, probably could have played a bunch, but they, they took it easy on him. Longoria, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing there. And you have to be careful and you have to manage these things so that you can make sure that these guys continue to have a positive impact throughout the season. And so I'm glad that they're doing that. And I think that's the best that we they can do right now. Right. Well... Um, it also gives an opportunity for uh, others, and so today they brought. Well, this yesterday they brought Jason Vossler uh, yeah, to make his debut uh, today, major right? league debut. Actually, made it yesterday. He pinch hit and will oh, right. uh, mm-hmm. pop up, uh, you know, out. But he uh, he looked good. You know, I mean, he had his uh, he drove a ball to center field that always oh, beautiful. He hammered swing. a ball and did not get a hit, and then and he then joined he got, one, and then he got his major league. Well, uh, and that's how it is. League but hit. you know, <laughs> it's baseball. To his kids, it'll be a line drive, right? But that's I think right. you know, it was. Uh, I was excited to see him. I mean, he's been in the minors for like six years. You know, they talked a little bit on the broadcast today because he's been stuck behind some pretty good players. And uh, but now, you know, he might get his chance. And he's been in the minors for six years. He still looks like he's eighteen. Yeah, uh, he's got this baby face. He's and twenty-seven. I know, but he looks young. And uh, uh, but he looks he looks like he had a really good swing. And uh, you know, so that's the the upside. I think is like, all right, we get to see some of these guys that Farhan, you know, uh, was high on in the off season. I mean, you know, Vossler was. Uh, I think he was uh, released by. I don't even remember who he was playing. Where he was released from, but he uh, he was uh, immediately signed. Like the Giants called him immediately and offered him a major league contract, even though he'd never played in the majors before. And so, you know, guys like that, you're like, wow, the Giants must have really saw something. And so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how he could play. You know, so if there are guys like, you know, if if Crawford or Longoria are out any longer, then Vossler gets to make, uh, you know, gets to play. And we might get to see something that maybe we wouldn't have signed before. And maybe it'll help the club. So uh, I, I think that's uh, that's that's the silver lining in all this. Yeah, he was with the Padres um, for a season in 2019. Yeah, I think that's uh, maybe where he got released. Um, right. And then uh, was with the Cubs before that. But, you know, uh, Mike Yastrzemski made his major league debut when he was 27, I believe. Ooh, all right. So, well, you know, um, yeah. Uh, oh, one thing I do want, you mentioned a little bit early about uh, Logan Webb. I was just looking up his stats here, how he, he had gone to the, the sinker more at this this game. This game, he threw his sinker 49% of the times. So that was 52 pitches. Um, he threw his changeup 26% of the time for 28 pitches. Uh, last start, he threw his changeup 42% of the time and his sinker 26% of the time. So almost inverted. Yeah. So yes, he he, he made an absolutely significant change here. And uh, yeah, that seems to have made a difference, right? That means the changeup is coming less often. So even if it is his best pitch, now guys can't sit on it. Right? Yeah. Right, and if you're throwing, and if your sinker's good, a sinker's a tough pitch. So uh, in and of itself, 
so uh, so that, that that's a very positive step and it's an easy thing to do and that's really good to see because clearly the guy's an excellent talent excellent athlete you know he, yeah. clearly the, the hitting just clicked today I guess he's like yes. oh that's what that's like well you know when you <laughs> practice something enough and you see enough major league pitching and you're talented uh, it, I guess it all comes together it must be good to be Logan Webb I guess Let's leave it at that. It's good to be Logan Webb. <laughs> it's good to we're, be Logan Webb. And he's got his first win. We only need 12 more, baby. That's right. 12 more before uh, your prediction comes true. <laughs> Until my uh, French 75 prediction comes true. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, I think we should wrap this up. Uh, uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Giant Cocktails. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sonoma Y Guy. Ben, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at WatchBenFail. I will start posting regularly at those accounts, maybe, eventually. <laughs> follow uh, them anyway. Give them. Yeah, give follow them some me love. anyway. If you add, if you mention me, if you if you call out to me, that will increase the likelihood that I will post there. So I, I, I you know, maybe I should start tweeting during the game or something. I don't know. Maybe I should do that. Maybe I should start tweeting while I'm in, working on cocktails. Maybe. Oh, that's not a good idea. <laughs> that's not a good idea not gonna do that scratch that scratch well if you want to see if you want to see what uh ben's jazz chisholm uh looks like uh we'll post that on instagram and twitter so make sure you look out for that and uh also like and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review if you'd like and uh until next time cheers ben cheers matthew goodbye everybody